Welcome to Your Province, Your Premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator. The show is being broadcast on 770 CHQR right here in Calgary and in Edmonton on 630 Ched. Every Saturday morning at this time, I'll be speaking with Premier Jason Kenney about some of the issues of the day, but it's really your opportunity to ask questions of the Premier, voice concerns or raise issues that you feel need to be addressed. Whatever's on your mind, you can speak with the Premier one-on-one. Just remember to keep it short and respectful and be patient because we get a lot of calls and texts. And please keep those text messages is short as well. There are a lot of them coming in, and I really don't have time to read a novel. So again, keep those short. Premier Kenny wants to hear from you. You can call or text 403-974-8255 in Calgary. In Edmonton, the number is 780-496-0063, and across the province, 1-800-563-7770. Premier Kenny, I'll make sure I hit the right button here. Welcome to the show. Great to be back, Wayne. Now, the campaigning continues for you. Uh, Last Saturday, right after this show, the United Conservative Party's special general meeting got underway with the ballots sent out to registered party members shortly afterward for the leadership review. Results of that vote are going to be announced May 18th. I'm presuming you're still on the stump. Well, I guess you could say in a way, Wayne, but the ballots are going to everybody's individual homes and... uh, and frankly, I suspect a lot of people, maybe even most, have already voted. A lot of folks, at least in the in the cities, already got their ballots. So, uh, I think this is going to be over fairly quickly in terms of people participating. I'll, I'll be doing a couple more telephone town halls and just um, always being available to answer people's questions. But it's it's not like a, a typical campaign in any sense. Uh, I the, I think the members have made up their mind, and I'm looking forward to what they have to say. Meantime, I'm focused on the public's priorities, as I was this week, for example, working with Senator Manchin on developing a North American Energy Alliance. Sure. Now, I want to come back to that, but I wanted to start off, uh, Premier Kenny. Canadian Press published a report a few days ago that suggests suggests former Alberta Justice Minister Jonathan Dennis hired a self-professed political fixture to get the phone records of a particular reporter in order to find out where that reporter was getting her information. Now, let's be clear, nothing has been confirmed, but there's the old saying, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I've got to ask, why aren't we hearing such reports about possible wrongdoing by other provincial parties? Why is it the UCP and prior to that, the PCs seem to find themselves right in the middle of it? I mean, even NDP leader Rachel Notley says she can't follow the scandals anymore. Well, this has nothing to do with our government, uh, Wayne. I'm and I'm not even I'm not sure about the details of this case. I haven't read about it. Um, I think this deals with something that a private individual was involved in uh, some time ago. And uh, so it's between that individual and the legal system. Um, and uh, that's that's all I really have to say. All right. Now, I, I just want to peck away at that one <laughs> just a little bit. Sure. Is it an indication, uh, Premier Kenny, of, of how Alberta politics has devolved that Dirty pool is more commonplace now with people saying or doing anything to get elected or to get an opponent removed from the playing field. Well, I don't really think that's the case, uh, Wayne. It's certainly not in my experience. Um, I mean, in politics, there's always going to be some people get their elbows up and, and uh, some friction, but um, that, that's not the experience that I've had. All right. Two more quick questions before we move to the phone lines. Despite the polls, you have remained confident of holding on to the leadership after the ballots are counted. But if you do win, is it going to be enough to hold the party together, to keep it united if it's not an overwhelming majority? Well, look, I believe the vast majority of members of the Conservative Party are 
small-D Democrats, and they believe in the democratic process and will respect a democratic outcome from the membership. Um, and um, I certainly will, and I fully expect that uh, members of our caucus will as well. All right. Now let's close on something positive from this past week. Uh, the federal carbon capture tax credit announced in the recent federal budget and, as you had mentioned earlier on the show, U.S. Senator Joe Manchin's visit to the oil sands. Are both of those good news for Alberta? Yeah, well, they're fantastic news. Uh, Senator Manchin is chairman of the Senate Energy Committee, but more than that, he's the key swing vote in the U.S. Senate. He's been described broadly by U.S. media as the most powerful man on Capitol Hill, if not in Washington, certainly on domestic policy. So having him spend uh, not a few hours, but two and a half days in Alberta, getting a deep understanding of our energy sector um, and the critical role that we play in U.S. energy security and their economy was a huge win. Um, he, of course, has been a supporter of Keystone XL and increased Alberta energy exports. But this really gives him a more, I think, uh, deeper credibility and understanding of how important these issues are. He's invited me to put together a panel to appear before his U.S. Senate Energy Committee to meet with his colleagues um, and to advance some initial discussions that we began over developing the North American Energy Alliance. Uh, so two and a half days of one of the most powerful people in the United States um, focused on the Alberta energy industry. Well, let me put it this way. It's a heck of a lot more than we've ever gotten out of Justin Trudeau's Ottawa. All right. Let's go to the phone lines now, and I'm going to make sure I hit the right button here. We're going to go to Pete, and I hope I don't lose you. I'm not sure if I got the right buttons pushed, but let's try this one. And I lost him. No, All right. no, you didn't. I'm here. Uh, you're here, but Premier Kenny is not here. So I lost <laughs> Premier Kenny. So, uh, Pete, um, we're going to get uh, we're going to have to get uh, Premier Kenny back on the phone. OK, oh, hang on. Yeah. And uh, while we're talking, uh, while we're waiting for that, Pete, uh, let's talk about what you were going to ask Premier Kenny. You're stuck with me now. So uh, let's uh, get okay. your question out there. Oh, okay. and I think uh, we've got Premier Kenny. Hold mm -hmm. on a second. Hello. Hi there, Wayne. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, hey I there. Don't know if you That's can. Pete, eh? No, this, <laughs> is, this, is, this is Pete. There we go. It's Pete on with uh, Premier Kenny. Go ahead. Hey, go ahead, Pete. Yeah, uh, from Calgary, and uh, I, I know that uh, you've been very accessible during election mode here, and I see that. Um, my simple question is, how do we know when you get reinstated? that you're not just to go back into the top-down mode that you were in uh, in the first couple terms of the office that you held. Thanks, Pete. Well, I, I haven't had a couple terms yet. I've just had uh, the right. three years of our first term. And right. uh, I, I would say, Pete, I've been perhaps more accessible than any of my predecessors. I do these Facebook Live sessions. Uh, for some reason, they irritate the media when I go out there and just take up questions from regular people and because I guess some of the media think that they should be the only people who decide what the issues are. Um, but I will say this, Pete, that during COVID, it was hard to get around and, and be as accessible as we normally would because, um, you know, for a lot of that time, we just couldn't hold events and so forth. So I'm, I'm really enjoying being, in, being back out and reconnecting with folks in every corner of the province. And uh very much look forward to continuing to do that. That's uh, that's always been my style and my approach, and I, I get positive reinforcement and good ideas and constructive criticism when I'm out there, and I want to continue that. All right, and back to the phones. Thanks for that uh, question, Pete, and we're going to hit uh, 
Brian right now. Go ahead, Brian. You're on the air with Premier Kenny. Uh, hello. Hi, Brian. Go hello. ahead. Can you hear me? For sure. The wonders of modern technology. I just <laughs> want to thank uh, Premier Kenny. Thank you for being our Premier. I think you're doing a bang-up job, and I'm uh, with you all the way. That's well, all thank I you, Brian. That, well, that's really kind of you. You just made my day. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for that call. All right, text question now from Calgary. Premier Kenny, could you outline your plan to put resource revenues into the Heritage Fund? This one from Colin. Yeah, we haven't uh, articulated a really detailed long-term plan on that yet because we haven't even booked our first surplus yet. We're projecting one, obviously, and expecting one. If, if energy prices stay high, it, it could be a very substantial surplus this year. And I think we may be on a, a multi-year roll here, um, another boom, if you will. And if that is the case... Well, whether it is or not, we've got to maintain discipline on the spending side. Um, you, you know, what we've seen in Alberta history is when the good times come, uh, the politicians loosen up the spending taps to the point where uh, when commodity prices come back down, we end up with a, with a huge overhang, overspending a deficit. So we've got to, you know, remember that old bumper sticker, God, please give us another boom. And this time we promise not to P-I-S-S it away. <laughs> well, uh, let's learn that lesson. And so when, what I'm saying is that um, let's keep spending under control. Let's not let it grow faster than inflation and population for, for one benchmark. Secondly, um, yeah, we may have to address some key stress points in public services. We're doing that right now with healthcare and education, but within, within reason. And then thirdly, let's have the discipline to put most of any future surpluses away in the Heritage Fund. Uh, and I, I also want us to look at, at changing, uh, strengthening the Heritage Fund, maybe requiring a supermajority before it can be uh, spent or changed, inflation protected. So at the very least, every year it pertains um, uh, some of the investment income and grows even in bad years. Okay. Here's the point. We could have been like out Alaska with, uh, I think, a $90 billion fund. Instead, we have an $18 billion fund in the Heritage Fund. We need to save uh, so because there will be a day when there's much less demand for oil and gas. And we need to think about the long-term future, not just today. All right. Premier Kenny, it's time for a break. Uh, we'll come back to calls and texts right after the break. I am Wayne Nelson, and I will be back with Premier Jason Kenny and more of your calls and texts when we return on Your Province, Your Premier. Welcome back. Your province, your premier, airs every Saturday morning at this time from 10 until 11 throughout Alberta. Here in Calgary, you can hear it on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 Chid. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator, and this is your opportunity to voice your concerns to address issues you feel are important to speak with the premier one-on-one. -on -one. In Calgary, call or text 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, the number is 780-496-0063. And across the province, 1-800-563-7770. All right, we are back with Premier Kenny. Let's go to the phones, and we're going to start with Roxanne. Uh, Roxanne, go ahead. You're on the air with Premier Kenny. Hello, Premier Kenny. I'd like to ask you about coal mining in the Crow's Nest Pass, in particular Benga Mining, who tried to open up a mine since I think it was 2012. They went through all the environmental checks and balances. At the very last minute, a couple of ranchers, a couple of couple of ranchers in 
Manton and High River area decided to get um, MLA from Strathcona, Edmonton, all the way up there, got them interested in it, and made them jump through yet one more federal environmental review, which it failed, hands down. For how many years that company is trying to, to get open? And you said you'd cut the red tape. Not 30 clicks away, we have four coal mines who are actively open and managing mining coal, and the coal is at the top dollar right now. And I heard over in COP26 that they don't want any more coal mined in, in the world, but I didn't hear them say they didn't want any steel anymore. Yeah. And this coal, these coal mines are, are, would be able to mine the metallurgical mine, which is what you use for steel. Right. All right, Roxanne, thank you. So that was totally a political move, and I'd like to know why you didn't cut the red tape here. (laughs) Thank you, Roxanne. Well, uh, you know, this is a tough one because we've been uh, pretty viciously attacked for cutting red tape on on the coal policy to allow for uh, a more uh, open regulatory approach. But that Venga mine, you're right, that, that had been an application that was in, I think, from about 10 years ago. And uh, it, when we came to office, there was already an application there for um, before the a joint review panel involving the Alberta Energy Regulator and uh, the Canadian Federal Regulator, because a project of that scale under the law requires a joint federal-provincial panel. Um, and so we could not uh, intervene in an independent review of the regulators. So we just had to keep hands off that, respect the independence of the regulatory approach, and um, and they made their decision. Um, I do note there was a lot of, uh, Roxanne, I agree with you that there's been a lot of misinformation around these issues. For example, the world cannot operate an industrial economy without steel. You cannot make steel without metallurgical coal. Metallurgical coal has been mined up and down the eastern slopes uh, for 140 years. And, and there are, I think, a dozen active uh, met- metallurgical coal mines on the B.C. side. Uh, we have come out with a cl- uh, revised policy, which makes it clear that we will not uh, accept applications in areas where there are sensitive ecosystems along the eastern slopes where the, we could have any potential damage to, for example, headwaters with uh, selenium, etc. At the same time, we will accept applications for potential uh, projects uh, in areas that are uh, where, that are not environmentally sensitive. So I think it's a balanced approach. It says that we acknowledge that there's, there's a, a coal mining can be a legitimate part of responsible resource development. It's needed for the global economy. If we don't do it here, they'll do it in countries with much lower environmental standards. And we, we need, uh, we, I don't, as I've said before, I don't want to shut down those communities that have for decades have depended on this as a critical industry for their employment. All right. Text message now from Edmonton. Uh, this is Matt. Premier Kenny, how do you get oil companies to reinvest their profits back into the province during this boom? Aren't most of them just going to take their profits and run? Well, I, I've, asked, I've clearly been publicly and privately asking them to move forward with additional greenfield uh, pr- production and you know, greenfield developments, exploration, production, upstream activity. Uh, and I think you're going to see more of that because of these high prices. You're definitely seeing uh, we're at uh, a multi-year high right now for drilling activity in the conventional basin. Um, but at the end of the day, they're not going to significantly expand upstream uh, production unless and until there's additional pipeline access. Now, the good news on that front, Wayne, is that we did see in November of last year 
the commissioning of the Enbridge Line 3 replacement, which added about 380,000 barrels a day in egress. Um, and we are expecting next year to see uh, the Trans Mountain expansion come online. That's another half a million barrels a day. So there will continue to be growth. And it, let's not forget that before Biden vetoed KXL, that, that TC Energy had contracted for 840,000 barrels a day. So I do believe that that expansion of the industry is possible, but it's going to require continued progress on pipelines. And, and that's one of the reasons we've had these uh, discussions with Senator Manchin. All right. Uh, back to the phones. And this is from another Wayne. Uh, Wayne has been holding on here for quite some time. Wayne, go ahead. You're on the line with Premier Kenny. Good morning, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Premier Kenny. I was just wondering a few weeks back when the Minister of Justice made the phone call to the Chief of Police uh, about an issue about a, a ticket and a person of color. Being the Justice Minister for Alberta, it was totally wrong for him to make that phone call. And I believe you should have dismissed him of his responsibilities and he should have had no longer a place in your party. From what I see and what I hear, my belief is that there's many, many people out there that lost credibility of the conservative government and yourself because you did not do this. Could you please give me an answer to that? Yeah, thanks, Wayne. It's a fair question. So, uh, Wayne, the, when those reports surfaced, both the minister and the Edmonton police chief say that he did not uh, ask or any reversal of the ticket. He did not seek to interfere with the ticket, but that what he raised were issues of primarily around uh, racial profiling. And uh, there is a context there. Um, in part, uh, Minister Madhu uh, has been a very strong advocate for addressing uh, vestiges of racism in policing in Canada, including practices used to unfairly in the past against people of color, including um, targeting and street checks. And uh, in fact, he was working on all those issues exactly when this happened. He was certain that he had not done any wrongdoing and just was, um, had been speaking to members of the black community about all of these issues. I don't, he clearly should not have made the call. It was wrong to do so uh, following that ticket. Maybe what he should have done was just paid the ticket and, and then weeks or months later, um, uh, raised concerns about whether there was uh, appropriate training in the Edmonton Police Service. But because of those sensitive issues uh, that we all have to be, you know, frankly, let me be blunt way, a guy like me cannot fully appreciate the reality of racism that people of color often face. And in humility, I thought it was best that we go outside get an independent review of what happened, allow somebody to find all the facts, interview the relevant people. And somebody, and we, so we contracted a former uh, justice of the Queen's Bench Court. And I said, you know, I wanted her to come back to us. What exactly happened? What was said on this call? What was raised? Were there other issues that were re relevant? And she basically came back and said that there was uh, no effort to overturn the ticket, uh, but that it was in the, still the call was inappropriate. And so I made the, what, what, sure. what I thought was the right call under the circumstances, which was to ask him to leave the Department of Justice. All right. Text message. Uh, someone has asked, I would love to know how the Premier will deal with the issue of discrimination against unvaccinated people. Well, I don't believe there is such a discrimination, at least not in Alberta government policy. Um, 
we but if you're talking about the federal uh, travel mandates, we passed a motion through the Alberta legislature, at least with the conservative MLAs voting in favor, calling on the federal government to drop its pointless uh, travel requirements, which right now are primarily the proof of vaccination requirement. I believe that we are the only major country that I at least that I know of that has such a requirement, given the very high chances of people who are vaccinated to transmit or be infected by the Omicron variant and its subvariants, I don't think it makes it any defensible public health sense to, to make that vaccinated, unvaccinated distinction when it comes to travel. So we have um, done everything we can. Call, I, I oppose that when Prime Minister Trudeau consulted us as premiers about it back in mid-December. And uh, we have consistently opposed that. Um, so that's, I think, the last remaining uh, policy that I'm aware of in Canada that makes the uh, the distinction. I do, at the same time, encourage people to get vaccinated. It's the best way to protect themselves and our healthcare system uh, from COVID-19. Um, and I'm glad that 90% of Albertans have done so. All right. Back to the phones. Justin has been hanging on for quite some time. Go ahead, Justin. You're on with Premier okay. Kenny. Hi. With the legislature resuming on Monday, what are your government's priorities in the in this next session? Thanks, uh, Justin. So, yeah, our priorities in this particular session, our overall priority is always uh, jobs in the economy. And on that, we're making amazing progress with Alberta leading the country and economic growth this year as we did last year. We're seeing more and more tech investments coming to Alberta manufacturing. We just had some new data that I think we're at record high manufacturing in the last quarter. Uh, so lots of great economic news. And we continue to support that through new, uh, legislation, uh, uh, but also other important issues. You know, we, uh, for example, uh, have legislation to uh, ensure uh, an independent oversight of the teaching profession, particularly on disciplinary matters. Alberta is the only province in Canada, and teachers are the only profession in Alberta where there's a union that's, that regulates itself as opposed to having an arm's length regulation. So that's very important legislation in front of the legislature as well. Text message now, Premier Kenny. Will any of the surplus money be allocated to investment in the renewable energy sector, possibly more rebates for solar installations? No. Uh, our government stripped out all subsidies for uh, things like renewable energy. Uh, th those were primarily funded by the NDP's carbon tax. We kept our word to scrap it in Bill 1 at, in the spring of 2019. Uh, and this is, what's in, this is really interesting, Wayne. Since we... Uh, scrapped the NDP subsidies for renewables, we've seen an explosion of investment in renewables in Alberta. Alberta's been leading Canada in new investments in things like wind and solar. Um, so we've proven that, that a, because that's partly because we, uh, as a decision, we made a policy decision that Alberta was going to be an energy-only market. And uh, market forces have, have come with, with billions of dollars of investment. Um, I'm sure the feds <clears throat> have all sorts of uh, grants for, for what the, uh, the, the individual is asking about. Um, but our view is let's keep taxes down overall. Let's have a strong economy and let people make their own decisions ab about these things. Um, uh, finally, I think it is important, Wayne, that on renewables, we can't let the uh, we can't let renewables run away from our overall baseline 
uh, base load, excuse me, of power production capacity in the province. So that's something we've got to keep an eye on. We also have to make sure that not all of the transmission costs associated with new renewable electricity is passed on to consumers. We're looking at some of those issues. All right. Interesting call now from George. Uh, George has a question about bees, and I know this is uh, very important, uh, not only here in Alberta, but globally with the uh, some of the uh, issues affecting bees. So, George, go ahead. Hello? Yep, you're on the air, uh, George, with Premier Kenny. Go ahead. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Wayne. It was actually about the beef industry. Oh, beef industry. <laughs> well, somebody, somebody's uh, fingers uh, slipped here. But all right, well, beef industry is very well, important to Alberta as well. So uh, go for it. Uh, thank you, for Mr. Kenny, for taking my call. Sure. Um, down in the States, they're looking at the monopolization of, uh, of packing plants and stuff here and and in the Western producer lately, there's been uh, an article showing that the packing plants in Canada, their profits have gained 8% and the producers have lost 3 Is there anything in your government looking at the monopolization of the packing plants in Alberta uh, in the upcoming session? Well, not, not in the upcoming session, George. Thanks for raising it. Uh, the As you know, we have two large and, and one small uh, commercial uh, beef packer in Alberta. I would love to see uh, another major beef packer come into the market. And I be- believe that there is a consortium of, of producers and others who are, who are looking at that, whether they could raise the capital to make that happen. Um, and that's, I think, probably the best way, which is more competition. Um, but, George, at the end of the day, like, I, I don't know what you would propose as legislation. We're not going to step in there like the NDP might and and try to you know nationalize Cargill or JBS. These are big global companies. Um, I agree that they they make big margins when sometimes the ranchers or the producers are, are losing, and that's painful. Um, but uh, I, I don't think we want the government coming in there and trying to micromanage uh, the market. That would just um, drive away investment and and. Uh, I don't think that's the solution. So I think the solution is more competition, and we will be very keen on leaning forward and facilitating any additional uh, packing capacity in the province. All right. Now, I want to follow up on the bee thing. <laughs> because uh, that, I've heard... Be, you've got to be in your bonnet wing? I, yeah, well, you might say. I'm a, you know, uh, But here's a, here's a story I read recently that uh, some of the bee producers, uh, because of supply shortages, uh, they're not able to get enough bees uh, imported from the States into Alberta to make the, uh, the bee harvesting industry uh, perhaps as profitable or as viable as it was in previous years. Uh, and... What is being done? What's being done by the Alberta government to help the bee farmers? Well, like last year we did roll out a uh, a program to support them. Uh, I forget the details. I think it was in the range of thirty million dollars. I stand to be corrected, but that's because they they lost uh, a lot of their hives with the super hot weather in July. Yeah, and we included them in a package that included the at uh, around the same time that we put out some support for the bee producers. We're dealing with sky-high feed costs and the scarcity of feed, um, and uh, and so we'll continue to. We, you're, thanks for raising it, uh, Wayne, because it is a small but an important industry for Alberta, and I know that our Minister of Ag, Nate Horner, will will continue to work with the uh, bee industry here. All right, text message now from uh, Calgary. Could Premier Kenny please define CRT and let us know where it is being thought in Alberta, and if not being taught, why did he bring it up in his speech to members in Red Deer? CRT. Oh, I, I, so imagine the questions about critical race theory. Yeah. So, if you go back to the when the NDP was in office, they 
were doing in a very secretive way. They refused to release the names of any of the people that they were consulting or on their panels. Uh, a total rewrite of the curriculum. They, but they did release a, a kindergarten to grade six uh, scope document for their proposed social studies curriculum. And it was exactly what you would expect from a, a left-wing NDP socialist government. It was zero reference to anything about our history, zero ref, uh, uh, reference about nothing about confederation or the rule of law, parliamentary democracy. There was not one single reference to Canadian military history, like 120,000 Canadians who died defending our democracy. They, they never happened. They never existed, according to that curriculum. It was, but endless references to... Um, all of the buzzwords coming from the woke left and and uh, calling for students to be uh, become agents of change. It was a highly politicized and distorted social studies curriculum that they were trying to foist on us. And um, and so what we committed to do was to stop that, was to consult broadly with uh, with parents and others on a balanced curriculum focused on strong outcomes in areas like uh, math, reading and writing. Um, and a balanced uh, approach to civic literacy and social studies. And that's exactly, we're taking our time to do all of that, but that's exactly what we're doing. Now, there is a story uh, from uh, Edmonton, a CTV News story, uh, in which a professor studying social studies uh, is concerned that this American-style rhetoric about curriculum is creeping into what you are saying. And yes, this- of course. Yeah, it's just a classic example of... Um, uh, torqued media coverage, going to a a relentless hard left, hard, hyper partisan critic of our government uh, by a reporter to get the desired uh, headline. I mean, um, th- this is an individual uh, who has uh, criticized every single element of, of what we've been trying to do to improve uh, education outcomes through our curriculum reforms. Of course, they're going to say that. Uh, the, the reality is, when we've seen a 15-year decline in uh, outcomes for Alberta students on standardized test scores for uh, reading and uh, math proficiency, this is a very serious problem. As other, as kids in other countries, primarily in Asia, continue to make progress, we've seen Alberta students too often falling behind, and too many kids. By the time they get into high school, not having adequate reading, for example, which will inhibit the rest of their lives. And that's why we are focused on uh, it consult, consulting some brilliant experts, like in, in uh, language arts, Dr. Uh, George at the University of Alberta, uh, like on math, Dr. Trotsky at the University of Alberta, uh, to, to uh, learn from the best international practices in our curriculum that can improve outcomes on math and literacy. That's exactly what we're doing. All right. Back to the phones. Uh, Bill has been uh, waiting for about 21 minutes now already. Bill, you've got a great question. Uh, go ahead. You're on with Premier Kenny. Good morning, Premier. In 1993, Alberta became the first province in Canada to privatize its liquor industry. And the cannabis file was created by the NDP as a government monopoly. I'm curious as to why the government of Alberta hasn't done anything to unwind that monopoly. The uh, the, um, liquor cannabis... So, Bill, maybe you could clarify for me, because... We do have both private 
privately owned and privately operated liquor and cannabis retailers in Alberta. So there is not a monopoly in that sense. I mean, there is. Well, but all, all of the cannabis in Alberta is purchased by the Alberta government. None of the liquor in the province of Alberta is purchased by the Alberta government. It's just taxed. Well, okay. As you know, on the liquor side, uh, all of the liquor that's uh, puts on put, that's bought by retailers or restaurants and bars has to be uh, brought in through the AGLC Connects uh, Logistics Warehouse. And uh, I've actually asked you know people in the industry, would you like us to review that and, and open that up? And they've said no. We actually very much appreciate the current system, so it seems to work well. Uh, on the cannabis side, look, this is a, this has been a controlled substance, and there is a, I think there's a good um, public interest reason for us to uh, uh, for governments to ensure that, for example, organized crime is not getting involved in sourcing. That there has to be proper regulatory oversight. Um, and I, I, you know what? This is one area where I will give some credit to the NDP, which is I think they set up one of the the better models in in Canada for uh, cannabis retailing. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think we we want to end up in a situation where the government is not clearly watching what's happening in terms of of, of a drug that can be addictive and abused. All right, let's go to uh, Kim. She has a question about rail companies. Go ahead, Kim. You're on with Premier Kenny. Hey, I'm just wondering where are we at with respect to taxing the rail companies as Saskatchewan recently has. How much additional tax revenue could that generate for municipalities where rail lines are running through? And also, more immediately, where is our utility tax bill credit that you keep referencing but apparently hasn't been passed by the government? So, Kim, can you give me a little more info on what SASC has done on rail uh, taxes? I'm not familiar with that. Well, apparently the uh, one of the senators from Alberta has been trying to get in contact with your office for quite some time to discuss it with you, but your office has been avoiding it. So she's probably better educated to speak about it. But my understanding was that when the two provinces, Alberta and Saskatchewan, were um, were created, the rail companies were given tax relief. They don't have to Oh, pay. I see. Yeah, you're, you're talking about the um, Canadian Pacific, when they were created in the 1870s, were given a permanent perpetual exemption from paying taxes, and that was part of the deal for them to build the CPR um, to the West Coast back in the 1880s. And uh, that is being challenged by Saskatchewan in court. Now, that challenge goes back several years so we'll, we're we're watching and waiting to see what that ha- what happens with that. Uh, but if um, Saskatchewan succeeds in that in that legal challenge, as I understand it, uh, and they're able to uh, allow municipalities to levy property taxes, we would certainly look at that, of course, here as well. Uh, but really, it's it's a con- it's a challenge to a a, a hundred and fifty year old con- or sorry, hundred and forty year old constitutional provision, and we have to see how that plays out in the courts. Time for another break. Premier Kenny, if you have questions for the Premier, if you have concerns or issues you feel need to be addressed, just phone or text 403-974-8255 in Calgary. The number in Edmonton, 780-496-0063. And across the province, 1-800-563-7770. I'm Wayne Nelson with Premier Jason Kenny. We'll be back to wrap things up in our final segment on Your Province, Your Premier. 
Wayne Nelson back with you as host and moderator of Your Province, Your Premier. Broadcast throughout the province every Saturday morning from 10 until 11 in Calgary, right here on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 CHED. Now, if you have something you want to bring to the Premier's attention, a concern or an issue, a specific question you'd like the Premier to answer, this is your opportunity to chat one-on-one. The numbers to call or text 403-974-8255 in Calgary and Edmonton 780-496-0063 and across the province 1-800-563-7770. All right, uh, Jim, I was going to say Jim. Jim, you're going to be coming up next, but we're going to go to Daryl. No, we're not going to go to Daryl first. Who was next? Ah, Jan. Jan, you're, we got a lot of calls, folks. Uh, so here's Jan, a uh, follow-up question regarding vaccines. Uh, Jan, go ahead. You're on with Premier Kenny. Yes, Mr. Kenny, or Premier Kenny, I'm sorry. Um, I've listened to you for as often, and I've in the past supported you, uh, but I've been very disappointed to hear you speaking very disparagingly and dismissively uh, regarding people who have either chosen or cannot be vaccinated. You say there's no discrimination that in, in Alberta any longer, but that's not true. There are still many, many businesses who have fired employees and who are not uh, allowing those employees to be back, come back to work because of their VAC status, in spite of the fact that, as you acknowledge, that um, they, they, um, it has been proven not to be um, really necessarily. Um, and this is especially concerning with, for people who work alone. That and my, and also, if this is okay, if this kind of discrimination is okay, um, what's to stop these same people to take advantage of discriminating in other ways based on any kind of personal like or dislike? I mean, why have you not stop this well thank you jen first of all i I don't think i've spoken disparagingly of people who have chosen not to get vaccinated i did point out during the delta wave when 90 percent of our icu patients were unvaccinated and in that wave, when people who were unvaccinated were much more likely to both transmit and be infected that the uh the problem was being driven primarily uh, by people who had not been vaccinated. And that was just a, just a statement of fact. It wasn't a disparagement. We have amended the Public Health Act to remove the power of Alberta's government to mandate inoculation, that had been, a power that had been there since 1910. So um, to recognize personal autonomy in this area. Um, and uh, with respect to the decisions of private employers, uh, those, are the, those are decisions that they've taken. Um, if individuals feel that there's a violation of any law, uh, the Alberta Human Rights uh, Code or the Labor Code, they have they can uh, file complaints um, and and seek an independent review either by regulators or the courts. So the, all of those legal recourses are available to people if they believe that they're being uh, treated unfairly. But I was uh, fundamentally saying that in terms of government policy, the only um, distinction between vaccinated and unvaccinated people I'm aware of is the federal travel mandate, which we've expressed our opposition to. Wayne, uh, if I just wanted to come back to Kim, because I got I got something wrong in answering her question about the uh, rail taxation. Thank you, uh, Kim. You're, you're ahead of me. I just checked out during the break, and uh, you're right. Saskatchewan 
has worked through the, the Parliament to get an amendment to remove that ex- tax exemption for CP Rail that's been there since the 1880s. So uh, there is a lot of complex litigation going back and forth. I won't bore you with the details, but in the break, I've asked our, our finance minister to take a look at uh, whether we should be pursuing a similar amendment. And thank you very much for putting that on my radar screen, Kim. Okay, text message from Edmonton, Premier Kenny. Good morning. There's been a lot of price gouging happening during the pandemic. Is there anything that can be done to monitor and do something about this? I'm the electrical industry, and prices have gone up 200 to 300% on some items. Some of this is due to shortages, but in some cases, we've seen prices go up 20% over the weekend on something the wholesaler already had in stock. Huh. Well, I, I'm not sure what... Um, th- thanks for raising this and i know we're all frustrated with these inflation pressures that sometimes seem like just inexplicable um you know part of this is definitely definitely global supply chain constraints that have been going back over a year part of it is is driven by energy inflation which is because there's uh you know been the lack of investment in the industry uh kudos to the green left for succeeding in, in scaring away investment from oil and gas that's forced up prices carbon taxes have made a bad situation worth the worse the federal fiscal and monetary policies have uh, further accelerated inflation now to about six percent the highest in 30 years and that gets reflected in different ways on different products um all i can say is the best way governments can get a handle on this is to pull back on the taxes like the carbon tax stop overspending um, and and stop the so-called quantitative easing, bring back a, a more um, a, a monetary policy that focuses on keeping inflation down. Those are the those are the levers that government can pull. Right. They're basically all at the federal level. Okay, I promised that Jim would be next, and so Jim, you're next. You're on the air with Premier Kenny. Thanks, uh, Premier Kenny, for taking the time to take my call. Uh, I was uh, pulled over for speeding here about nine thirty in the morning about a month ago, and uh, and uh, it's been the first time in a long time. And with your Safer Roads program, and I guess thank you for very much for, for, for rolling back on, on, the, on, the, on the fees and stuff and, and removing traffic court, because uh, I had dash cam video of where, the, where the, the, speed, the speed zone sign was an unfamiliar road to me, was, was clearly obstructed, and I, and I did not see the change in speed. I think it was more or less just, just a, a, uh, a way of, uh, of grabbing cash. And then yeah, Rick McIver talk about having Multinova as a as a cash grab, and then you go through this whole process, and then so it's nice that you did that because it would it would have cost me a huge number of fees to just fight a ticket that I would would have easily would easily been found out guilty. But the other part was, and you talk about rights, but was was the erosion of rights of of nine thirty in the morning being asked to take a breathalyzer, being asked whether or not I used tobacco, and this whole thing, and yet you take away all of those rights, but you talk about other rights in other areas, and and it, to me, I just found I found that to just be just really with no suspicion whatsoever to put me through that through that through that ordeal it was not it was not pleasant and i did not like it and for, for that premier kenny i'm not going to be voting for you thanks okay thanks jim um i uh don't know what to say i'm not <laughs> responsible for the decisions that local police make they have a job to do um we respect the the police i i I think we all hope and expect that they apply some common sense um, and don't ask people to, for example, do a breathalyzer unless there's some reasonable suspicion or they're doing a street check. Uh, and I, I don't, you know, like uh, uh, typically they only do those late at night at areas uh, where they expect there might be impaired drivers. 
But um, yeah, I I, uh, I think if you have complaints about police conduct and you're in Calgary, the right route is to make a complaint to the Calgary Police Commission. There is civilian oversight. And uh, I, I hear you. I think we all, most people have had some interface at some point in their lives with, with uh, police in terms of uh, uh, the rules of the road that they that have frustrated them. I can remember one, my own life, but um, you just live with it. That's that's at least my attitude. All right, Premier Kenny, we have time for one quick call, and uh, we're going to go to. Um, and I know that uh, Daryl, I promised that you were going to be next, but uh, it's going to take a longer time, I think, to ask uh, your question and to get it answered. So we're going to go to uh, Gordon. Gordon, if you could make this question quick, because we're up against the clock. Sure, real good. good day, Premier. This is uh, Gordon. I'm a safety fire advisor. Let me real quick and hang up the phone. Uh, 55 to uh, 33 percent of these ionizers that are made overseas, they fail, and uh, in the synthetic fires, they, they're 100 percent. And I would like to know if you have a, a subsidy for us that we could have to introduce these uh, optic eye and uh, Texas instrument, you know, and uh, electric eye that TELUS has. But I mean, these are two to four percent failure rate, and they're very, very deadly fires. So I'm hoping that could be we can somehow do something for. for Sir, the, are you the are you in a municipal poli- fire service, or are you talking about uh, Alberta wildfire? Which are kind of uh, fires are are you dealing with? Uh, home fires. So, uh, you know, it, it, since uh, 2016, it's been mandatory that the builders put these smoke detectors in every bedroom, and oh, it seems I see. to be, yeah. you know, and it's not. And these are ionizers. These are. Debbie, Debbie uh, devices, and I'm uh, just trying yeah, to get yeah, my okay. message through. All right, sorry, yeah. the, the audio wasn't super clear there. So oh I, 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 this is something I know absolutely nothing about. I'll just be honest, mm-hmm. but I do have fo- uh, people from my team who listen to this. I've, I've asked them to look, to look into this on this and, and get me a note. So maybe I'm a better position to answer next mm-hmm. time. Sorry about that. All right, we have to uh, wrap things up. Premier Kenny, thanks for joining us again today, and we'll do it again next Saturday morning at the same time. Yeah, and Wayne, I, I apologize if I don't not on a hundred percent response for every single question, but uh, I'm learning. And that, like for, for example, that CPR question was really good. And who knows, maybe that question will have affected policy. So that's why this is a great show. I really appreciate it. All right, talk to you next week. Thank you very much. I'm Wayne Nelson, and you've been listening to Your Province, Your Premier. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.